If you've ever thought farm living is the life for me, then today's episode is made for you. Hey everyone, I'm Kelly Wilkness here with Anita Joyce, and this is Decorating Tips and Tricks, episode 440. And today I am joined by Julie Thomas of Little Farmstead, and Julie is going to tell you all about her family's decision to go beyond the city limits and start their own farmstead. It is a delightful interview. You're going to absolutely love Julie, and... It may just get a few of you looking for acreage. Welcome to Decorating Tips and Tricks, Julie. We are so happy to be speaking with you today and to introduce you to our listeners and to learn more about life on your farmstead. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've been looking forward to this. I know we have known each other for a while through yes. blogging, and I've always counted you as one of my good virtual friends. Oh, thank you. Same to you. So tell everybody about your blog. You know, I actually started blogging, I think it was about seven years ago, not long after we had moved here to our little farmstead. And I was just so excited. Um, For us, it was a big change in lifestyle. And so I just was so excited. I think I needed an outlet and I wanted to find a community of other people who were doing what we were setting out to do and who enjoyed some of the same things as far as as um, just having room to spread out, having a little bit of acreage, um, raising some animals, planting a vegetable garden, entertaining. Um, So it's really just a little bit of all of that. Definitely am passionate about home decorating. And um, so, yeah, that's what the blog is about. I actually focus a little bit more now on Instagram, but I still have a website that does have a blog and kind of shares our story with people. And we're going to talk so so much about your story today and uh, talk about your life decision and what goes on every day at Little Farmstead. So, and we'll have links to everything, uh, your blog and your Instagram and all your other places where people can find you. And we're also going to have a wonderful giveaway, right, Tuli? Yes, I'm excited yeah, about so that. so we're going to give away a signed copy of Julie's gorgeous book with an extra little treat attached to it, and you'll get information about that at the end of the show and also on the show notes. So what did you do before blogging? Um, before blogging, I actually, um, I had gone to school in Orange County um, in Southern California, and I worked for a technology company there. It was very fast-paced. That was the first thing I did right out of school. And then um, right after getting married, I moved up to the Seattle area um, with my husband. And um, there I was in sales and marketing for an aerospace company. And that was, again, really fast-paced, a lot of international travel. Um, After doing that, um, I actually stopped doing that when I had our first son, and then we went on to have two more boys. So we have three boys here, and um, just with a background in marketing, um, I think the blog and Instagram was just a natural outlet for me, a natural progression from that, even though the content is a lot different than, you know, technology and aerospace, but um, technology and aerospace, 
farmstead <laughs> i know okay I know. but we're gonna get we're gonna explain know, all change. of that and how you got there so yeah yes. so there's there's absolutely gorgeous you uh and these four four oh, boys so on this sweet. farmstead right and what yes. are your sons yes. now? Is it, am I right? 11, 14, 17, something like that? Yes. Our oldest um, turned 17 in a couple of weeks and then 14 and 11. Yes. Which is crazy because when we moved here, um, they were four, seven and 10. So I really felt like we got in on a lot of those good years where they just needed space to run and explore and all of that. So oh, yes, I would say perfect yes. timing for what you did. So we've been touching on yes. it. We're alluding to it. We're saying farmy sorts yes. of things <laughs> and, and yes. words like acreage. So let's tell yeah. everybody the name of Julie's blog, if we haven't mentioned it already, is Little Farm. Farmstead, and the name of her gorgeous book is Little Farmstead Living. Now, Julie and her family made a decision that I'm going to let her tell you all about, but to maybe go a little off-road, literally and figuratively, in their lifestyle choice. So let everybody know what we're talking about, Julie. Okay. Well, um, I like to tell the story when we lived in our um, just suburban cul-de-sac, um, just on a standard size lot. We tried to maximize that as much as possible because, like I said, we had three really active boys. And so we had um, a fort built with a big slide. You know, every summer we would um, bring out an inflatable pool in the backyard. And we had a deck that we lived on with basically with outdoor meals and everything. And I remember um, we had great neighbors, but I remember specifically one day I had taken the boys out to ride their bikes in the cul-de-sac and a neighbor um, just sweetly smiled at me and said, we heard you guys in the backyard today. And I thought, oh boy, I bet you did. <laughs> you know, so um, we, <laughs> it was just those little thoughts that it, it started feeling like, although we hadn't outgrown our house, we had outgrown our yard. And, um, you know, where I grew up in um, the San Francisco Bay Area, it wasn't, um, it wasn't as common to have a big piece of property as you can get in the Seattle area if you move just outside of the city um, boundaries. And so we just started looking, um, my husband grew up in the city. And so, um, it was a little, the idea was a little bit foreign to him at first, but we had, um, my sister has acreage not far by, not far away from here. And so we would take our boys over there to play. And literally the minute the car doors would open and their feet would hit the ground, they would just take off running. Mm -hmm. So we had kind of an example of that. And we saw just um, that it was something that in our area, it was feasible to do, but it did take us, I would say at least five years of looking um, to really find where today we call home. And so for us, it was, um, you know, my husband would say, I just picture a place where we can have, um, campfires with our boys. And he said, I know as a guy, that's where boys will sit around and talk to you, you know, they'll sit still and they'll open Mm -hmm. up. So that was kind of his vision was just a property where we could have a campfire, maybe even pitch a tent in our own yard. And for me, um, I loved that idea. I also, um, have always loved animals. And so I pictured them like our boys 
growing up with animals in the background. I also got excited about growing some of our own vegetables because I think that there's a lot of life lessons in that for kids. Um, and it's a healthy way to introduce foods that maybe they wouldn't eat if they just came from right. the store. But if they grew, you know, if they grow them themselves, there's that of curiosity, yes. that sense of pride. Yes. So they'll try, they'll try more that way. So, well, I think um, your life decision, well, it's absolutely wonderful. And I can only imagine oh, what you, a benefit that has been to your boys and then a benefit to everyone else mm-hmm. that gets to learn about it through your beautiful book and your blog and your Instagram and all of that. Oh. And I just thought it was such a perfect time to talk about something like this because during what we're all collectively going through mm-hmm. with the pandemic, people are realizing, hey, I can work yeah. from anywhere if I have it. And obviously mm-hmm. you have an internet connection if you're a blogger. Yes. You're not completely off the right. grid in a cave somewhere. No. Um, so you no. have all of that, yet you've got the room to run mm-hmm. around. You have room to create your garden and have these wonderful mm-hmm. animals that I want to talk about later or, you know, on your property. Yes. So it's a lifestyle that maybe other people would never even considered for themselves, except maybe in a fantasy life, but maybe it's Mm -hmm. something people would want to really entertain as an option now. So I think this would be so enlightening to people that have thought about that, or just a a beautiful other way of living for somebody else to have a look at. Um, So when you did this, it sounds like it came more from... uh, Firstly, maybe a need for more space. Did, did and you know, I, you said you liked animals and all that, but did you expect to have sheep and chickens and ducks and all of that? No, not initially. In fact, um, our oldest at the time, our oldest son, had been begging us for a big dog, and I just knew juggling you know, at that point, three little boys on a small Mm -hmm. lot. I just thought about how many walks that would entail. And just, we kept kind of buying our time saying, you know, if we find a place that has more property for the dog to, you know, run around then. So that was really one of our, and I know it sounds funny because of course you could have a nice size dog in an apartment, (laughs) but for us, just our lifestyle, you know, with three young kids, we, Yeah, we just, we thought it would be so much easier if we had some property. So really, you know, at that stage before we moved, I was, we were just dreaming of getting our boys a dog of their own. So, (laughs) and then over time, you know, um, I guess that was like the entry, the entryway thing, but gateway um, animal. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. And so then it just kind of took off from there. And I, I did want to clarify, um, that we do not live out in the middle of the country. Like we, um, we are just literally past the city limits. Well, hence the name of your book, Little Farm Set Living, Creating a Country Life just past the city limits. Yes. And so that's when you were talking, I actually, I get excited for maybe some of your listeners who have just dreamed of doing it because it doesn't necessarily mean that you even have to move, uh, you know, 50, a hundred miles from where you're currently living. We actually, I, I don't know that I've mapped it, but we are probably only 12 miles from where we moved from. And it's amazing wow. the privacy that we have. 
Yeah. I mean, you look out our doors and you see land. You We back up to a ranch, which also helps because it gives the illusion of more sure. property. Um, but we have that privacy that we had hoped for. Um, we have nature. We have a barn and a chicken coop. Um, so it is really amazing that it doesn't mean that you know, it may not even mean that if you have kids at home that they have to change schools. You know, it could literally be um, just a move 10 or 15 minutes away and you have that country lifestyle. So, and I don't know if it's like that in all um, locations, Mm -hmm. but usually I think when you just push up right against the city limits, it's amazing how much more, you know, just property you can get for your money and, um, you can do that all without having to make, you know, a big move. Amazing. So uh, now uh, your husband was living in the city or grew up in the city. You, Mm -hmm. you, with your tech and aerospace background, sounding like there wasn't a lot of farming in your backgrounds. Am I right? No, you are right. (laughs) You know, I grew up in a cul-de-sac. I did, um, I did have a horse when I grew up in Northern California, but we had to board her at a ranch Mm -hmm. locally. And I just remember it was funny because my mom and dad were great growing up about giving us what they could Mm -hmm. as far as animals. So we had a cat, a hamster, a rabbit, you know, all Mm -hmm. those little animals that you can keep. But I remember um, my mom dropping me off um, to go horseback riding at the ranch. And, you know, she almost always wore a dress and high heels. (laughs) And I remember her saying... um, you know, I just, I don't really feel like I fit in with ranch people. And I just remember, yeah. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, this is it. Like, these are my people. This is where I feel at home. So it's kind of funny how that has stayed the same through my life, even though, no, I do not have a farming background. So did you do a lot of research to learn how to run a farmstead? Um, you know, I wish I could say that I had, but we're just kind of the people that we jump in and just start. And so I think, um, you know, the first thing, first Christmas here, we surprised the boys with a dog. And so that was a learning curve. And then after that, um, I think we got a little rabbit for them. Um, at Easter time. And then the first spring here, I did do some research before we brought in um, chicks, but we already had, we were blessed to already have a chicken coop on the property. So, um, but that was a learning curve because um, I was learning with our kids, you know, just as far as you really don't need all that much to start um, a flock of chickens, but learning about the heat lamp and just transitioning them. We started our chicks um, actually just right in our mud slash laundry room. Um, And I think that first year we just had a big um, box that we put them in with bedding and a heat lamp. And then as they got a little bigger, we transitioned them out to our barn. And then eventually when um, they were all feathered out, you know, we moved them to the chicken coop. Um, So we just really experimented and learned as we as we went. I think that's one of the nice things about blogging and being on social media is that you can ask questions. You can learn from other people, just like Kelly, I've learned 
tips from you about, you know, your gardening and your flowers. Um, just what a benefit to, as you grow these new passions, mm-hmm. there's so much that's available at our fingertips. You're, you're so days. right. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could figure it all out. There's a wonderful uh, section in your book about your chickens and the different types that you have and all of that. So mm-hmm. if anybody, you're going to all love the book, but if you're particularly interested in raising some chickens, there's some good info in there for sure. Uh, so explain to me now, farmstead, is is that a term of art or is that just something like a little farm? Or <laughs> And how is it yeah, different than a- homesteading, which people may have heard of? I know. That's a good question. And I like how you phrase that, a form of art. To me, um, you know, I don't know that these are the technical meetings, but I think of a homestead as a place that is really centered around a family who maybe wants to be self-sufficient. Like if you think of the pioneers, um, that is really what I think of as a homestead. And then when I think of a farm, I think of it basically as a larger scale. Um, and a lot of time as, um, income producing. So people, um, oftentimes will live on their farm, but it's also their livelihood. So I think I, we started calling it our little farmstead as um, maybe just a combination of a homestead and a farm. So where we have the animals and we have um, a vegetable garden, but it really is centered on our family unit. It's not, we're not doing this as, um, you know, an income producing farm. So. Gotcha. Okay. That yeah. is very interesting. Then, then you talk about sort of your aesthetics, which I know a lot of people are going to be just drooling over the images. If oh, they don't know you. you already, they're just going to love it. You. But you reference having an American and a European farmhouse aesthetic in your home. So yes. how do you, how would you say you're influenced by European styles and how by American? Um, good question. Um, I think probably the color palette that I use, um, is a good foundation. I love, I love, um, as many people do right now, especially, I love the clean backdrop. So I use a lot of whites, whether those are the really bright whites or if it's, um, for example, in our living room, I used um, a white paint color that pulls a little bit more of that antique um, white that has a little touch of um, aging to it. And then in other parts of our house, depending on how we use them and the feeling I was hoping to create, I use a really bright, airy white. And um, I love that both the Scandinavian and um, French antiques, they use a lot of the um, lighter wood tones. And so that's why I enjoy especially um, the Scandinavian and French antiques. Um, I'm not opposed to, for example, English antiques. Those are beautiful as well, but usually those um, do incorporate the darker, um, deeper wood tones. Um, And so just a few examples of the, maybe the European versus the American antiques that I love using in our home. Um, We have uh, this giant um, drying rack that came from France, and we use that on the counter in, in our kitchen, and I feature that in the book. And it's been great to, from the time our kids were little, 
I would put our drinking glasses. A lot of those are just actually mason jars, but right there um, on the counter. So it's a beautiful, I think it's a beautiful, unique piece that came from France. Um, but it's also very practical because when our kids were too little to get up into the kitchen cabinets and open those without a step stool or a chair, they could just reach up and grab one of those glasses um, from that antique French drying rack. Um, but then I do also love our own country, you know, America incorporating those, um, those antiques. So um, I've used uh, actually chicken nesting boxes um, in our family room as both a bookcase, um, place to store things. And I love the simplicity of American farmhouse as well. So I think just merging those two backgrounds can give you an interesting sense of just that time-worn history that we really appreciate um, about just farmhouse or farmstead living. Oh, and your your look is so beautiful, Julie, really. Oh, I mean, thank you, and Kelly. we talk so much about uh, neutral palettes and things like that throughout the podcast and um, creating flow from room to room. And you, you've done all of that. And your palette is just so welcoming and just really inviting. And I think the hallmark of Julie's style for anyone who's not familiar with it is the authenticity of it, uh, whether it be oh, the American or European or something new, but that really just fits in with the the whole vibe. So absolutely beautiful. I'm sure everybody's going to want to do a deep dive into everything that you've got going on. Um, so tell me, what is a typical day for you on the little farmstead? <laughs> Oh, good. Another great question. Thank you for asking. You know, um, I've thought about this a lot because um, where we live in the Pacific Northwest, we do get a lot of rain, which we're kind of known for, um, and a lot of gray days. Our temperature is mild compared to a lot of places in the country and around the world. But because I grew up in California, it's colder than what I'm used to. And so, um, for example, a typical day, um, like today, I get up like a lot of you, um, make some breakfast for my family, get our youngest. He's able to attend school right now. So I drive him to school. Um, then I come home, make sure our older two have their internet connections right now for online school. And then um, the next thing I do is I do go outside and I start feeding the animals. And um, for us right now, we've had a variety of animals, but right now we have um, the sheep out in the barn. We have um, the chickens out in our chicken coop. We have a couple of cats um, that live in our barn. And then we have um, our dog. So it's not an overwhelming amount. Again, we call it a little farmstead <laughs> for a reason. But I would tell people, if you do want to, um, you know, set up a little a mini farm where you're at, just think about um, the amount of places that you have to go on your property for feeding, because you're going to need to do that at least once, if not two to three times a day, depending on the animals. 
So in the summer, it really is a joy, you know, to go out there in the sun and I linger out by the chickens and, um, you know, let out the sheep to graze for a little while. Now, it's a different story when the the rain start coming, (laughs) you know, and it's cold and you're running, you know, you're, I'm literally running from place to place getting drenched. Um, So it, you do have to kind of think about all of that, you know, when it's muddy, it's not quite so romantic of an idea. (laughs) So I think, you know, I do the same thing. My day looks a lot like everyone else's. I just add on um, the feeding and the feedings and maybe the letting the sheep out and then getting, bringing them back in. Are the sheep, are are they good listeners? Do you have three sheep, I think, or is it? Yes, we just have, we just have three sheep. They're baby doll sheep. So they're South Down baby doll. And I get asked about them. That's probably one of the most asked questions because if you see them, it's like, um, you'll fall in love. Love at first Yeah, I don't want to show my girls. (laughs) Yeah, they were. Kelly, I think you need them. I I think you could fit them on your property, actually. I I don't think you're allowed to have sheep in LA County. Okay. I'll have maybe my fantasy farm. Because I do. I mean, this is all very selfish that I'm I'm getting to talk to you. Because, you know, I do have this fantasy farm life. But I'm laughing to myself because. I could see it. I'm picturing you in the spring with your beautiful blonde hair. Like, with, you know, some (laughs) gorgeous European linen apron and tossing chairs chicken feed, whatever chickens oh, eat. Yeah. And then I'm thinking the next week, like sideways rain, Seattle. Oh my goodness. I know. And that's what a good friend of mine actually from California started um, laughing when I told her about the book in a nice way. But she said, she said, I want a book of all the outtakes, yeah. which is so yeah. true. You Little know. farmstead bloopers. <laughs> so- a I rainy know. day. Oh, what I look like farm. on a day to day. Yeah, running through the rain. Bad so. hair, farm day. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. that's so funny. Okay, so let's get back to uh, these baby doll South Down sheep because they are yes. so adorable and yummy. But yeah. okay, so yes. um, other than how adorable they are, why did you get sheep? Yes. Okay, well, truthfully, uh, truthfully, the boys and I um, wanted them as pets. I will admit that we just fell in love with them, but I had to find a way that we could somewhat justify them, you know, to build my case for my, um, with my husband. (laughs) And, um, so he does all of the mowing on our property along with our oldest son helps out with some of that. Um, and so the angle that I use is that they help they really help um, keep some of our grass areas down. Oh, they're now, very practical then. Very yes. practical. They actually do like to eat maple leaves, and we have these giant maple trees. Oh, I saw trees that on, on your property. Instagram. I mean, the, the leaves yeah. are gigantic. Yes. So it's cute. So they, um, they actually do a really good job of, we have three small paddocks outside of the barn and they do really clear that. And those are anytime, you know, that you're mowing, um, that you have to get into smaller areas, it's a pain. Mm -hmm. So my husband, he does appreciate that, that they keep those areas clear. Mm -hmm. And then, um, beyond that, they do, you know, they do help out with keeping some of the grass down, but he would laugh and say that that's very minimal. (laughs) Um, we do use their wool. So, um, you do need to get, um, sheep sheared at least once a year. And I have started, um, 
using that wool, which has been a lot of fun. So I don't, I'm not to the point where I know how to process it yet or spin the yarn, but I found um, a very sweet lady online, actually through Instagram, who has been willing to do that for us. A lot of times if you work with the bigger mills, um, they, you know, you tell them you have three sheep's worth of wool and you're kind of put at the bottom of the list for that because <laughs> they do higher quantities. Like, but they're just so, so cute and their, their wool is yes. so cute too. I know, I know. And so, um, so I did include a blog post on that. Um, and that information, some of that information is also in our book. Oh, but oh I just because talk about, you have in the book yeah. the caps that you were able to make. Yes, oh. yes. Mm. And so that was, um, it was sentimental for me, but it was sweet because our boys, they were super excited to get those. Um, I had um, wool hats made for them and gave them to them a few years ago on Christmas Eve. And just the sentimental value, you know, for them to be able to hang on to those throughout the years and know that those came um, specifically from their sheep. I thought that was just a fun and memory. what are, what are and your sheep's names? Winston, I think, is one. Winston, Teddy, and George. Perfect. So um, they are an English breed, so they kind of had to have, I felt like they had to have British names. Oh, right. So, yes. Well, <laughs> and you don't have any... Um, Margaret's or so you're not going to have any extra sheep not okay. yet but man I would love that someday I would love to breed them we're not quite there but okay, well yeah, that will they're, definitely they're be another great. podcast that we'll have to do if yes. you start breeding sheep okay do you ever hear the yes. theme song to Green Acres just like sort of running through your head because as I was doing this yeah. I was like kind of yeah you can tell I'm a very serious farmer so yes I do yeah <laughs> well, you're the most gorgeous farmer I've ever seen. Oh, okay. Thank let's go you. back into your house. Sweet. Now, you mentioned your paint okay. uh, in in the living room and that it was a little bit more <laughs> antique. Do you remember what your paint palette is? Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot if you can't remember. Oh, yeah, that's okay. No. Um. So if I want just and you'll probably get a kick out of this, but you know me and I do love my white Yes. Well, you know what you said about it being gray there a lot. It's kind of like in the Scandinavian countries as well. You know, that's why they went light. And you have that that clock. I just love everything about you. Yes. Yeah. We have that antique Mora um, Swedish clock. Um, We actually have two now. Does that count as a collection? Uh, I don't know. I think by three, Um, you know. (laughs) Okay. We need one more. See? Thank you, no Kelly. Problem. We need one more. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the color, but that's exactly right. I feel like it's um, probably equally that I do love that um, bright aesthetic, but I do feel like we need that here in the Pacific Northwest. I do at least, just the reflection of the light. So um, the one color that I found that has just a slight touch of um, maybe an aged white, it's called pointing, um, like you're pointing your finger, pointing, and that's by Pharaoh and Ball. I know it. Yes, Um, that's a good one. Okay. And then the other one that if I just want a really clean, bright white, that is all white. And that's, again, by Pharaoh and Ball. So those are kind of two of my um, tried and true white colors that I go to time and time again. Now, having mentioned both those colors are Pharaoh and Ball, do you find that it is true that there's something about the luminosity 
I don't know if I'm using the right word there, of, but of their paints, there's a depth to them that people talk about maybe to justify the price point on those paints because they are a little bit more, but they might be the same as like the higher end Ben Moore or Sherman Williams. You know, they're, they're actually, they are a higher price point. And what I typically do is I just have them matched Mm -hmm. at my Benjamin Moore, um, uh, where we typically get our paint. And at first they say, because they are from England, they'll say, I've never heard of that brand, Fair and Ball. I don't think we carry it. But just have them look Mm -hmm. it up and they'll find it and be able to do that. So, um, that it's just a way to do it for about half, but I have heard that the actual Pharaoh and ball paint is incredible. So, um, yeah, I haven't yeah. used it in my own house. So, you know, it's hard mm-hmm. to tell when you use it in a client's house because you're not there all the time in the different lights. So I'm, right. I'm always trying to, to determine yes. whether or not that's really true, but okay. Those yeah. are two great colors and, um, everybody's always searching for paint colors. And I think that's a real stumbling right. block for a lot of people. So we'll link those in the show notes as well. So what's your favorite okay. room in your house, Julie? I think the my favorite room is actually our dining room. Um, there's just a really special. I think everybody has um, a room in their house that you just it just feels special, and to me, um, it is probably because that room has so many windows and it lets in a lot of light. The sun sets on that side of the house, um, but the people who built our house. Um, I, I wish I had a chance to meet them, the original builders, but they were just very thoughtful where they placed windows, where they positioned the house on the property. And so that room just gets, it gets light all day. Um, but the sun does set, um, on that side of the house. And, um, we don't have, um, an eat-in kitchen. I wish we did. We do have a counter that, um, our boys eat a lot of their meals at, but when we have, um, family meals or family dinners, or when we, um, entertain people that happens in our dining room. And so there's so many great memories that I have there, um, that we've shared together as a family and with friends. Um, it's a really fun room to decorate. I feel like it's probably the one room in our house that stays pretty because it's a little bit um, tucked back in our Mm -hmm. house. And so, um, you know, our house, having animals, having three boys, they have a lot of their friends over a lot of the time. Um, Even they'll go in there and eat meals when their friends come over because that's the biggest table that we have. So it's it's not necessarily formal, but I think it reads a little bit more formal when you see the pictures, um, just because a lot of the there's a lot of white in there. Um, there's also um, our table. I get a lot of questions where we found where we we purchased our table, and um, I always smile because um, my sister actually called me once. It was from a secondhand shop, and I think I. She said, there's this table that you might like. And I think it was like $65. We had to do a repair. I sanded down the top of the table, but it's just been a workhorse. Um, so, and then the chairs, I get asked about those sometimes too. Those are um, from restoration hardware. But um, yeah, I think our dining room just, um, it just feels light and bright and happy. 
in there, and we've had a lot of good memories. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, decorating for the seasons, and I know you do that there as well. Julie and I used to do uh, a blog link party together, so I know a lot about her interiors. And yes, also- and I do have to say, Kelly, that every time you say, oh, it's a beautiful house, it really means so much oh. to me because I am obsessed with your Victorian farmhouse. <laughs> And you have just that timeless um, quality about your decorating that I love. Like you'll incorporate, I love the way that you do incorporate some trends, but the way you manage to do it, it's always timeless. Like I don't think you're ever going to pull up your house and say, oh, that was 2013. You know, you just, you really um, stay true to the architecture of your home and have such a beautiful style. So it means a lot to me. Oh, well, that meant a lot to me. I'm definitely not going to edit that part out. (laughs) Please don't, don't. (laughs) Okay, so... I love to have sort of go-to items on hand for vignettes, and I'm guessing that you probably do too. Um, So could you tell the listeners just some items that you like to use when you're creating a vignette, whether it's a seasonal one or just something for every day on your counter or on your beautiful dining room table? Sure. That is a great question because it took me a while to... Um, kind of find out what I used over and over. And I love those pieces that you can use throughout the different seasons and just throughout the years that you're not. um, I think a while back, I got tired of just picking up maybe the, the inexpensive seasonal trendy items. I'm sure I still use some of those in our home, but I got tired of just going through things so quickly, spending money on things that didn't feel like they necessarily would stand the the test of time or that I would even like the following year. I think it, you know, it it just starts feeling a little bit wasteful and you want to have those pieces that you're going to enjoy time and time again. And it does cut down on the amount of time that you're going out and, you know, shopping for a lot of the items every season. I think a lot of us have had times in the in our lives where we go through that, you know, where you're just picking up things here and there. And while it's fun, it just sometimes it, it takes an excessive amount of um, maybe time and money to do that. So great question. Um, I love, um, we have a few oversized breadboards and I just find that those create a beautiful backdrop for a vignette, whether you use those um, in the kitchen on your counters, you know, vertically or sideways, and you put a few pumpkins in front of those for the fall, or maybe um, at Christmas time, maybe you have a dresser or buffet that you again prop those up against the wall and then just have a simple. Um, vase of evergreen branches in front of those. It just sets a little backdrop for a vignette. Um, Something else that I use um, from season to season, and I've actually had this in place for a couple of years now, is in our entryway, I have um, an antique carriage door that is propped up against the wall. And then in front of it, I have um, a small dresser that just has um, really beautiful patina. It only has a little, it's mostly wood and just has a little bit of kind of an off-white paint remaining on it. And on top, so that's a great place if you need to set down your keys or if you have someone over that wants to put down their handbag so they don't forget it, it's right by the door. But on top of that, 
Um, I wanted something that was simple, but also made a statement. So I have an oversized antique basket there. And I love it because um, there's, it's not like I have three to five things sitting on that table that's real distracting when you walk in. Um, but it's just this oversized basket. And then I change what's in it seasonally. So um, right now, um, wheat looks beautiful in it. For And I have this big bundle of wheat. And then um, in the spring, I love doing blooming branches um, in there. In the summer, it might be um, dried hydrangeas or lilacs, um, you know, that one or two weeks that the lilacs will last you, that they're in bloom, but it smells so, so great when you walk in. So, um, those are a couple of things. And I think the last thing I would touch on is, um, linens. A lot of time, uh, a lot of times when you're creating a vignette, you might find that you have a lot of hard lines or a lot of wood pieces. Like I talked about the breadboard or the dresser that you're using, or maybe you do uh, bring in an old vintage door for Christmas decor that you hang a wreath off of. But a lot of times you just, you feel like you need to soften an area and that can be done just even by, um, that same example that I gave, um, with the entryway and the basket, when you come in for the winter, I may hang, um, a scarf over that old carriage door or just tuck in. It can even be a linen towel that you tuck into a basket that just softens the look. People might not even notice it, but it just gives it a little bit more of that warm and welcoming feel. Oh my goodness. I, I was taking notes and I bet everybody else <laughs> was too. Wonderful oh, tips. And I, I think we approach the decorating uh, vignettes a very similar way. I think we do too. I, yes. I talk about these hot spots. You know, I don't want to change it up mm-hmm. all the time uh, because yes. just for the reasons you said, you're just out shopping, buying the newest thing. Do you need another right. tray? No, you can just use the one you yes. have or the breadboard that you mm-hmm. have or something like that. And just having these little spots around my house where I just change something out, like you're saying, adding yes. something into that basket, it completely changes the look. It's welcoming for the season or it's just yes. a holiday or something like that. So Excellent and I, tips. I love how you do that, Kelly. And I've noticed that about your decorating style throughout the years. And I would just also encourage people that um, I think one of the joys now after living in our home seven years. How long have you been at your house, Kelly? It will be five years on the okay. 16th of October. Okay. So pretty close. Yeah. I was thinking we were, you know, five, seven years at our homes. And I tell people sometimes that, you know, whether it's the Christmas decor or just decor in general, it takes a while to really settle into your home and know kind of what belongs where. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually people will get the basic furniture setting down fairly quickly, but a lot of the vignettes that we're talking about that we're able to just kind of keep in place, but then change the little um, seasonal touches to them, that that can take a while. So be gracious to yourself if you're new to your home or haven't lived there long. 
experiment and then even take take snap a picture because you might not remember last you know last fall what did I do that right. just it felt so right in that little nook you know and I think that that's the joy of after having lived in a home for several years is you kind of learn where you look to where your eye goes to where is going to be an out of the way place that you're not you know tripping over <laughs> some decor element but that it's just right. setting a beautiful back drop in your home. Yes. Oh, that is very sage decorating advice. Oh, Way beyond you. just a tip. Julie, thank you so much. It's been so much fun. It was such a delight to talk to you and it makes me want to drive thank up there you. and see you and I really want to pet Winston, Teddy and George. George. <laughs> And I was going to say, I'm going to have to do, I want you to come, but I'm going to have to do a car check as you peel out because I have a feeling you would try to take one of them with you in the back maybe seat. Just, <laughs> maybe just a little box of chicks. I don't know. Yeah. Know. When is the time when the chicks Sounds come? Good. I might have to show up then, the spring maybe. Yes, that would be fun. Well, thank you so much. I really was a delight. I know everyone thank is for going having to me. love hearing everything you have to say. And definitely everyone head over to the show notes, click the link. It's very simple and enter the giveaway for the signed copy of Little Farmstead Living. Oh, I just had so much fun talking with Julie Thomas. It was such a delight to have her on the show. Diane James Home has the most beautiful, just picked from the garden, everlasting floral designs for your home. They also have amazing gifts, whether it's seasonal, holiday gifts, hostess gifts, or just something special for yourself. And Diane James Home is offering Decorating Tips and Tricks listeners 15% off your purchase with the code DTT at checkout. Definitely visit dianejameshome.com to see all the everlasting beauty and support this wonderful family business. I just found a few more items that are must-haves. The Little Flowers cocktail forks are absolutely adorable, and what a wonderful price for a set of four. I would love someone to come visit me and bring me those. And the Amber Glow bouquet, which is now on pre-order, is going to just make your jaw drop. It is stunning in all these beautiful, very muted tones of the season. So like House Beautiful and all the other uh, customers and publications that love Diane James Home, you will love them as well. So visit dianejameshome.com and use the promotion code DTT for 15% off your purchase. We have been through some trying times this year, my friends, and it's no wonder that millions of people are taking advantage of the online counseling provided by BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com is there for you. It's convenient, affordable, and professional. And we want you to be your happiest, best self. And so if you're not feeling great, if something is impeding your happiness, stopping you from achieving your goals, head over to betterhelp.com slash DTT and you'll receive 10% off your first month. You'll be assigned a professional counselor who is skilled in so many different areas from grief to self-esteem and any issues that may be troubling you. It's not self-help. BetterHelp is professional counseling. 
If you need to switch your counselor, no problem, no hassles, no questions. You can do so without an additional charge. It's a safe and private online environment, which is so convenient, particularly now when you're not going to be wanting sitting in an office waiting to see a therapist. You can start communicating within 24 hours with your professional counselor. So head to betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com slash DTT for 10% off your first month. Join the millions of people that are already helping themselves and improving their mental health with BetterHelp. Betterhelp.com slash DTT for 10% off your first month. Our pets are part of our families, right? So their nutritional needs are a priority. So that's why we want you to get familiar with Solid Gold's nutritional platform. It's inspired by their founding belief that high quality food is the best way to impact your pet's mind, body, and spirit. For over 45 years, Solid Gold has revolutionized the holistic pet food category. They have a recipe for any dog or cat's dietary needs, including healthy whole grain and grain-free options, wet food supplements, and so much more. They also have a fabulous deal of the week. And for decorating tips and tricks listeners, if you head to solidgoldpet.com slash DTT, you will see the deal of the week. And these deals are fantastic. The deal of the week is a great way not only to save money, but also to get introduced to some of the other Solid Gold products. So head to solidgoldpet.com slash DTT, and you can check out the deal of the week, and you can also stock up on any of the other Solid Gold foods. Remember, it's solidgoldpet.com slash DTT. And now let's talk about our hot topic. Oh, this is such a good one. It is a House Beautiful article about watching Biltmore's Christmas tree raising event from home this year. Well, you know, with the pandemic, everything's gone virtual. And what a fun thing that they're doing the uh, Christmas tree raising and lighting all online. Uh, so you don't have to be there this year. And I know we're going to make a, uh, a date to be sure that we watch this online. Uh, and, you know, Biltmore is one of my favorite places built by the Vanderbilts and it is a, a stunning home and the tree the Christmas I've never been to their Christmas events but this one should be fantastic we'll link to the article and the event you'll be able to see it on YouTube November 4th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time so hey after the elections I think just grab a <laughs> <laughs> what timing right? well if we can just make it through that Yes. Then you'll get this to look forward to. Let's then we can all sing around the Christmas tree. Um, yeah, so it's uh, November 4th, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I guess that is watching it live. And then, of course, I'm sure they'll leave it up on their YouTube channel for, right. you know, all posterity. Um, and, you know, if you really want to go minimal on your decor, just put this on a loop on your computer and you can just watch it over and over again. The 35-foot balsam fir tree being, um, I guess lit up i'm not sure what they do because like rockefeller center they light up the christmas tree it's obviously you know already decorated so i guess that's what they're doing um right i mean they're not decorating it in front of you well it says virtual tree raising but raising but maybe they have video of it being you know i I assume it's more of a lighting ceremony i've never been for this event so guess what we're all gonna find out 
Well, so fun. Okay, so let's we can all sort of watch that together and then touch base on it again. Um, I have a crush today that you know, some people might say, well, Kelly, you said you're really not a wreath person. I want to be clear. I said I was on the fence about the wreaths. I don't have one because the way my door is set up, it's very hard to have a substantial wreath because I have mm-hmm. a screen door. But this one is beautiful. So I know a couple of people were asking about wreaths. One of our uh, DTT team members, Christina M., was asking about wreaths as well. And I spied this one in the Balsam Hill catalog, which also I'm sure had a ton of Christmas stuff in it. But I pulled this page out to tell you guys about it. So I do not have this wreath. I have not seen it in person. But I liked it enough that I pulled it out of the catalog and I've had it sitting on my desk. It's the Dahlia and Pumpkin Forest Foliage Wreath, and it is really stunning. Take a look at it online, or if you got that catalog, you can flip through and look for it. It's not cheap. It's $179 for a 28-inch wreath, but it is jam-packed with autumn-colored dahlias and these um, more slender leaves that almost look like feathers. And then there's some really nice sage greens. There's some faux white baby boos. It's really beautiful. Oh, so if you're really a wreath lovely. person, yeah, have a have a look. We'll link it in the show notes. Well, my crush today is, and I'm surprised I forgot to mention this before, but it's My French Country Home on YouTube. Uh, this is Sharon Santoni, and she also has the blog My French Country Home. And she lives in Normandy. Uh, she's from the UK. And so she has a really very relaxing, very calming, beautiful YouTube channel where she shares her life in Normandy, France with us. Outdoor dining with friends, shopping in the little town square, uh, riding horses. It's really a delightful YouTube channel. And again, with all the election stuff going on, this is a welcome change. It's calm and peaceful. No yelling. So, <laughs> just, just, yelling. Say, just say. No yelling. There's not no yelling. even it's in very... France. In French. We might not even know what they're saying, but they're not yelling. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Now I didn't really notice uh, know that she had a YouTube channel. So I do get her newsletter and mm-hmm. I've poked around on her site for years. So I'm gonna check out her YouTube channel. Fun. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. And she she does they're they're well produced videos. Whereas if I were doing a video, it would it would not be so pr- well produced. So it's really nicely done with music oh, and oh, everything. Oh well, nice. like yours, you know, darling, you know, like yours. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Hey, how about a shout out for our longtime listener? Amy P. Amy rocked it with a fireplace makeover. Uh, She says in her email that she has listened to hundreds of our episodes while working. She learned so much and she finally had the confidence to paint her fireplace black. It's beautiful. You you guys cannot even believe this transformation. It was a pretty fireplace. It mm-hmm. had a white wooden surround with some detail on it and then the red brick, you know, inside, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just maybe a layer of the brick around. And I was like, oh, I thought that was sort of the the makeover when I didn't, you know, just looked at it quickly. But then I scrolled down to the next picture. Unbelievable. It is, I don't know if it's a matte black. Amy didn't mention what paint color she used, but she also painted the wall in her living room um, a, a sort of a 
deeper mocha color and the black and she's got the fireplace going and the mantle is so tasteful and beautiful. It is stunning. So well done, Amy. Amy, you rocked it. I saw it and so beautiful. I just gasped. I mean, you did a fantastic job. Yeah, it really changed the whole look of that room. Uh, Really, really well done. So if anybody is on the fence about it, Feel free to email me, and if it's okay with Amy, I'll send you the before and after photos because amazing. Mm. And thanks to everyone who has supported the show with our DTT opportunities. We're still waiting for some tipsters, so if you'd like to support the show in any way that feels comfortable to you, we'll have a link in the show notes, and we would really love to have somebody come on as a tipster. So if you're thinking about that or you're on the fence about that, uh, this would be a great time to get that going so we can get you on the show before Christmas. Do we have a good question today? I know we do. Well, we do. And I don't have it written down because actually the question was given to me verbally. Uh, My friend Evie has a friend, Lindsay. And Lindsay has a question for us she wanted us to answer. Uh, There is a photo, but it's very simple, so it's easy to explain. Basically, she has a fireplace in her apartment. uh, So Lindsay's got a beautiful wreath on it and some uh, some things, you know, some decor on the mantle. Well, the uh, super told her that there's a, there, they determined that the fireplaces are fire hazards. Well, that doesn't seem very good. So uh, they're taking them all out. And so she's just going, it's just going to be a wall there in the future. And so she wanted to know how she could kind of recreate that look with just making it a wall. And I'll go ahead and throw out my thoughts and then you can uh, throw yours in. Uh, so I know she was wanting to recreate the look, but the thing I wanted to point out is to one side of the fireplace, I can see there are shelves. So what I would suggest, Lindsay, that you do is move your the things on your mantle over to the shelf on the right. And then the thing also I wanted to say about this, Lindsay, is you know before it was a fireplace, so really you were just working with decorating the top, upper part of this wall. Now that you've got a full wall, I think rather than trying to recreate what you had with maybe putting a shelf there, I think I would start rethinking it as in now we have a whole wall to work with and not just a half a wall. So I would suggest a leaner mirror. And then if you want the wreath there, because there's a lovely wreath, you can hang it on the top of the mirror that you have leaning against the wall. Uh, Some other options would be, you know, we've talked about this. Actually, uh, there's so many thoughts on how you can handle a blank wall. Uh, We'll link to the episode we did on decorating a blank wall but the other idea would be to just put wallpaper on that wall i love the idea of just putting wallpaper just where the fireplace was and don't you think that would be fun kelly i think that's a great idea because i did have a question and now you've answered that whether or not that whole bump out where the fireplace was would be taken away so i'm I'm guessing not they're just going to close it off I don't yeah. know. I'm assuming that mm-hmm. they're just going to close it off right. because that's the easiest thing right, to do. Right, because there must be the flu and everything is inside there. So probably mm-hmm. not removing all of that. I think doing that is a great idea. I like the mirror idea too. And I would just go go big and make something, make a real statement on that wall. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, it's, I mean, and you could even just put the wreath there. But I think if you've got that and you're used to it being a focal point, why not do something really big and bold and fun with it? 
Yes, I so agree. And uh, as a renter, Lindsay could use the removable adhesive type of wallpaper. Yes. And there's gazillions of choices for that online, different brands, and obviously so many different patterns. I think that would be the, I think that's what I would do. Well, exactly. And that's, of course, I would definitely do the removable because if it's a rental, of course, the the landlord's going to make you take it off. So you are definitely going to want to go with that removable wallpaper, which, as you say, Kelly, is available everywhere. So thank you, Lindsay, for uh, sending over your question. I hope that helped you. So remember, we're here to inspire you to create a beautiful home. Until next time.